Our scripture this morning from the Old Testament and also our text for the morning sermon is Psalm 73. Psalm 73. And the text from the New Testament that I'll be reading is from Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 14. Ephesians 1, 3 to 14. Psalm 73, hear God's word. Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no pangs until death, their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongues struts through the earth. Therefore his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. Truly you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin how they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream when one awakens, O Lord, when you rouse them yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in my heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you receive me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me... It is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. And hear God's word from Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places 
even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be, should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself. As sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that he, that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire the possession of it to the praise of his glory. This ends the reading in God's word. Let's bow in prayer. Our Father and our God, we give thanks to you for the many blessings you have poured out. We give thanks to you for the word that you have given to us, that word that converts us, that word that makes the wise simple, that simple wise, that word that opens our eyes and ears. Bless this word and reading to our hearing now and bless the ministry of your word to our hearts as well. We pray now you would hear our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 73, there's a part of this psalm that as we go through it, you start to wonder, is this psalm talking about me? Or you may be saying that to yourself, is this psalm talking about me? Because we can come to church on Sunday and there can be many things that run through our minds and that can occupy our minds while all the rest of the things are being done during the service and we go away having thought about all the things that may occupy our minds but not necessarily what we've heard in the church. We know that's not the way it's supposed to be. We know that we come to church in order to hear God's word, to grow in it, to be blessed by it. The psalm begins, well, there's one passage in the psalm that I've just taken for a, a thought running through the psalm, and that's my portion. God is my portion. That's the idea of the psalm. The Lord is my portion. Whom have I in heaven but you? Whom on earth do I desire besides you? Heaven and earth may pass away, but the Lord is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. And so taking that word, my portion, meaning God is my portion. God is the one who is everything to me. God is the one who is everything to you. 
God is the one who is everything to His people in the church. He created you. He gives you breath every day. He gives you life. How many people in this world look the other way? How many people the, de- the devil is tempted to say just the opposite? But you come to that first verse and there is that confession that's made at the very beginning, which is good, glad for it. And that confession very simply, truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. God is good to His people. Remember Mount Sinai when Moses was standing on Mount Sinai with God? And Moses wanted to see God, and God said, yes, but I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and you'll see my back. So all is goodness. The goodness of God, the goodness of God caring for us every day. Now this is a psalm of Asaph. It's the first of the third book of Psalms. There are five books of Psalms within the Bible, but the, uh, this is the first of the third book, which has a good number of them written by Asaph, who was a choir director in the temple. But goodness to the pure in heart, to those who love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, For those who think from the heart, who speak from the heart, who act from the heart. So he says, truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. That's my confession, he says. But then he goes into the next verse, he says, I wasn't always this way. And he says, the world challenges my portion The world challenges my God. The world doesn't even pay attention to God. That's why no way it challenges God. Doesn't even pay attention to Him. How many hours of TV can you find where you don't even hear the word God? Or Christ? Or salvation? He says, as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had almost slipped. My life had almost just taken a tumble. Just by looking at the world around me, just by taking the world around me. And here's the the, the wicked, those who do not have Christ, those who do not have God. They have no pangs until death. Of course, death is going to be the real time. But until then, eat, drink, be merry. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They don't have troubles like other people are. Now, he's he's starting to get into an overkill here. In fact, he gets into a big overkill as he's starting to look at the world. And as Christians, there are times that we start looking at the world around us and say, They have it so easy. They have it so good. They they have all the pleasures they want. They got the big houses. They have the boats. They have what have you. They they, they have it. 
And I'm trying to do my life as a Christian. I'm trying to be obedient. They're not stricken as others are with troubles. Not like the rest of mankind. They are people of pride, also of violence. And they scoff, they threaten, they even speak against heaven. Heaven is mocked. The pictures on cars of a fish symbol that we all know as the symbol of the Christian, except fish with feet, and it says Darwin in it. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongue struts through the earth. And this affects God's people. It affects you and me. It's a real temptation. It's a real challenge, is it not? Unless our hearts are firmly set. And so His people turn back to them find no fault with the the people who are making fun of God. These words in the the psalm here, they stagger the imagination. They say, how can God know? A famous astronomer has talked about the heavens and or even the first man in space, I looked around and I didn't see God up here. Is there knowledge in the Most High? So the questions start coming. Here are the wicked, always at ease, increasing riches. And comes to the point where he starts looking at himself, he says, in vain have I kept my heart clean. They have it so good, I have a difficult time in life with my Christ and with the things of uh, of the church. Pardon me if that sounds too much like slander at this point. It's not intended to be. All in vain, I've kept my cart clean. I've washed my hands in innocence, but in vain. So all day long, I've been stricken and rebuked every morning. You see what the world can do to us. You see how the world can twist things around when it starts to eliminate the things of God and the things of Christ. And the fact that God created us in His image, made us to be like Him in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness. To have communion with us that we can have communion with Him. 
And the world, the flesh, and the devil push us in the other direction. But then, that's the first 14 verses. That's the first half of this psalm. The second half of the psalm is where he starts to wrestle with all this in the good way. He says, yes, it's a wearisome task in verse 16, but he also says in verse 15, if I speak like this, if I would talk like this in front of my children, I'd betray them. I'd betray a whole generation. If we would talk as if God had nothing to do with us and in front of our children, and if our children never heard anything about God and never heard anything about what God would do for them and what God has done for them, we'd betray a whole generation, he says. That's why it's good to be in church. And that's exactly what he says. Where do I change then? Where do I get the right view of things? And he says in verse 17, and this is a turning point. He says, until I went into the sanctuary, then I discerned their end. What? Isn't there a good book in Target on this? Isn't there a good book in, uh, in, in some, one of the book, book uh, stores? Until I went into the sanctuary. What's the sanctuary? The sanctuary, of course, is the place, the holy place, the most holy place. It's where the tabernacle is. It's the tabernacle. It's where God dwells. It's where the Word of God is taught but also where the sacrifice is presented, where blood is shed for our sins that speak to us that we are not just people that just get shuffled around in this earth. We are sinners. We are needful of a Savior. And our God who created us has given a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus Christ who went to the cross and paid with the worst punishment that mankind could develop. to be punished on a cross, not even as a citizen of his own people. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. Keep thinking about this because this is a place where you do come every Lord's Day. And I... I know I'm not here every Lord's Day. I've been very thankful for the opportunity to, to come here and whether to hear someone preach or whether to be asked to preach myself. But I know you get the Word of God. I know you get the fact that Christ Jesus came to this earth to save sinners of whom I am the worst Paul says, and of whom everyone in our own hearts would probably would say the same thing. The sanctuary of God. We 
could go on to a long discussion of that sanctuary, how it began as a tabernacle and then a temple, and then that was wiped out. A smaller temple, but a temple more glorious that would be more glorious than the one that Christ himself would be the tabernacle among us. And then who, are, who is the church? The church is the tabernacle of God. The church is the temple of God, which God dwells. The Bible has a beautiful progression on this. God dwells with you and me. God dwells in us. Christ Jesus, when we have been turned to him, when we have fallen on our knees because we have seen our terrible sinfulness and we've come to him in repentance and faith, it is Christ who comes in us. He says it to his disciples in John 14, I will send you another comforter. I will come to you. Of course, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, but in the Holy Spirit, Christ is coming to us. So what did I learn in the sanctuary? Notice it says, verse 18 through 20, the people that I would have been really ogling and just, just, oh man, he had it so good. You set them in slippery places. You make them fall in ruin. And when God destroys, that destruction can come so quickly. Read the book of Revelation sometime. We talk about the battle of Armageddon. How long did it take? Do you get this whole big setup of this is how they stood in the, uh, this is how this side stood and this other side stood? No, it said they're wiped out. They're done. It's gone. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. And I realized what I had become because my soul was embittered. I had become like a brute and ignorant like a beast before you. So what is my hope as I come into the sanctuary? The sanctuary teaches me some things that I don't like to hear. The sanctuary teaches me that I'm a sinner, but the sanctuary also teaches me that the blood was shed for my sins. And then comes the latter part of this psalm in verse 23 through the end, where he says that in the sacrifice, in what Christ has done for me, of course, he's looking ahead to the Christ. He sees the lamb of the that's brought in for the slaughter. Nevertheless, I'm continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. You notice the development here. God never leaves us or forsakes us. An elderly lady that had in our church in Rockford that had, about every Sunday evening, if we would 
talk about favorite verses or the like, she would say, you never leave me or forsake me. God never leaves us or forsakes us. He never leaves us. He holds us by His right hand. He guides us with His counsel. He teaches us with that word. And Psalm 119, boring? No, it's not boring. Is it uh, repetitive? Uh, Yeah, kind of. But... uh, the illustration, I finally saw somebody else use the illustration, but this has been my illustration all along. You go canoeing up in the boundary waters in northern Minnesota, and uh, you come into this one pond, and it's just still. And you look down into the pond, and you look for, and you see these reeds and these plants. And so you reach down to, to touch the plant. And you can't touch it. And you reach a little further down, and you really don't want to because you don't want the canoe to tip over. But that plant's deep. That's Psalm 119. Of all the ways in which the Word of God is used, and all the ways in which God counsels us in that psalm, that's Psalm 119. He counsels us. We hear His Word. We go through that Word. We hear it preached every week. We hear it repeated in prayers. We hear that Word in our hymns. That Word that guides us, that keeps our lives moving. God never leaves us. He guides us. And the final answer to all this, you know, is that when all is said and done, whatever the rest of the world may seem to have gotten so well and so beautifully and have gotten everything they ever wanted in life, and you didn't. The day will come when it will all be taken from them. And what God has in store for you is beyond your imagination. He will receive you into glory, His glory. So where else can I go? What else can I desire? Here is the God who is able to look upon us, who has loved us with everlasting love, who loved us according to Ephesians chapter 1, loved us and predestined us on the basis of that love and that we might be in Jesus Christ to be adopted as His children, that we might be His children and receive everything in the inheritance that is His. So if you want to hang this up in needlepoint on your wall in the house or print it on a piece of paper somewhere and stick it on your refrigerator, whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire beside you. My flesh and heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That's what Asaph says. After he was ready to be act like a brute, act like his, not, nothing, none of this was impressed, important. 
because the world didn't seem to be that impressed by it. And yet for us, it's impressive. My portion forever. Portion, you can translate it a number of ways. It could be your legacy. It could be the inheritance. Those are different words that are used for it. But God is my portion. If I have nothing else, that's my portion. And I want it forever. Yes, the unbeliever can't say what you can say to me to live as Christ, to die as gain. Those who are far from you will perish. You put an end to all who are unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. Praise God for his goodness to us in a world that is not going to bring it to you. May you see your portion ever in more stirring colors every Lord's day as you come to hear God's word proclaimed to you. Amen. Our Father and our God, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for the blessing of your love and grace. We praise you for the blessing of knowing that you are our portion and that lesson that comes through your word every Lord's day. We look to you, Lord, for that blessing. And we pray, Lord, that as this church moves into this new time in which another pastor comes, that you would bless this congregation through his ministry that the word of God may indeed fill your people's hearts and that may not have to wonder who indeed is true and right and where the blessings of life and life eternal come from. Be with us now this day. We thank you, Lord, for your, for your promises in Jesus' name. Amen.